Cosmic Treadmill, where we go back to the past and read a DC comic from their yesteryear of publishing. You can hear us every week on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. And this week we have somewhat of a special request, right? Yes, we do, from our good friend D. Ron Murphy. That's right, friend of the podcast, friend of us, and uh, friend of uh, the Cosmic Treadmill, D. Ron Murphy. He actually wanted a history on, yes. on a certain character, but uh, this doesn't seem expansive enough for history, even though it probably is too expansive for the Cosmic Treadmill, but <laughs> that that never stopped us before. So what are we no. talking about this week, Chris? We are talking about a very special issue of Guy Gardner Warrior. It's uh, number 29 from March 1995. It's, uh, it's when Guy opens up his uh, Planet Hollywood type of uh, bar, club, whatever you want to call it, yep. uh, called Warriors. Uh, the issue is titled It's My Party and I'll Fight If I Want To. Uh, it's written by the manliest man in comics, Bo Smith. <laughs> and uh, it's penciled by Phil Jimenez. Phil Jimenez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, has two different cover prices. There was Because there was two different covers. There was a deluxe cover that was $2.50 and the standard, which I actually like better, <laughs> for $1.50. Yeah, it is better. And we'll, you know, we'll get into that when we get into yeah. the issue. But uh, before we get there, let's uh, drop a little bit on our creative team. Bo Smith, born December 17th, 1954 in Huntington, West Virginia. Graduated from Marshall University in West Virginia with a degree in journalism. Uh, he came into the industry through his fandom. Uh, he was a rather seasoned letter hack, had over 400 letters published in comics. Just like Jeff Johns. Yes. <laughs> now, he, he was to the point where uh, he was receiving preview copies from the publishers. Wow. So they could get him to write letters <laughs> that could be published early on in the runs. Um, an interesting thing about him is he can kind of be looked at as the godfather of podcasting. Uh, back before there was an internet, he would record himself on, on cassettes talking about comic books. And he had a, a mailing list where he would send copies of what he was saying off to. Wow. So, I mean, I think that's something we should uh, try to look into. Maybe. That's some real prehistoric hipster stuff these days. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he did it on vinyl. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, his first published work was for uh, uh, for a small press company called Eclipse Comics in 1985, where he contributed backup features for uh, a comic called Scout by uh, Tim Truman. Uh, he came into D.C. in the early 1990s, contributing stories to the uh, Green Lantern anthology series, uh, Green Lantern Quarterly, which was which was such a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an issue where uh, Alan Scott, uh, he was changed into like a 90s type character. He had oh, yes. Hair, yeah. Gritty teeth. It was crazy. But that, that's that's the kind of book you can do that kind of thing in. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, in the years that follow, uh, he left DC and he went on to create uh, Winona Earp, which has uh, become adapted for television via sci-fi. Um, he's oh, also really? free- I, hmm? I never heard of it. Yeah, it's it's on the or, I, or it's either on the Sci-Fi Channel or it's gonna be. Okay. I think I've seen commercials for it. All right. Uh, and he's also a frequent contributor to uh, the Tomorrow's magazines, uh, Sketch and Right Now, which are. Uh, Pretty neat books. Uh, I, I don't I don't know that they're still being produced, but uh, I know I, when I was reading them several years ago, he was all over them. You definitely uh, get back issues galore if you're in, anyone's interested. Oh yeah, 
And then there's uh, Phil Jimenez here. He was born July 12th, 1970 in Los Angeles. He attended the School of Visual Arts in New York City. He majored in cartooning, and he graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in 1991. Uh, his art, as should be apparent if anybody's seen it, is highly influenced by George Perez, uh, to the point where I, I hear legend has it that they met each other at a convention, and uh, Perez like put his arms out to hug him and called him Iho. Oh, yeah. He called him son. <laughs> My son. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's I mean and in a way he's a perfect guy for an issue like this which as we'll see Absolutely. is a bonanza of DC characters, you know, the George Perez is the master of the crowd mm-hmm. scene and uh, I would say Paul Jimenez is uh not as masterful but still very good. And and yeah. he actually is drawing and writing Superwoman for DC right now. Yes, he is. So he's and still When you look at this fold out cover, I mean there is probably at least 50 characters on the inside. It, it is unbelievable. I mean, this one really takes you back. But, uh, I mean, you know, I don't want to give, give it all away, but yeah. the noses, right? The, 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 yeah. Aren't the noses weirdly bulbous? And that's what I remember thinking at the time. Like, it's, <laughs> You are. sort of grew out of that uh, later on. But, uh, anyway, that's something you got to see <laughs> to understand. It's very, very weird. Uh, so let's talk about our man Guy Gardner. He has had a long and tortured Green Lantern appearance with a kind of stutter step like a lot of dc or really all of dc yeah yeah because of uh well yeah a lot of false starts and then crisis sort of through a monkey wrench and everything but we'll we'll do the best we can to pick him apart here so (laughs) uh his first appearance was green lantern volume 2 number 59 this is march 1968 in a story titled earth's other green lantern written by john broom and art by gil kane uh hal using the guardian's memory machine learns that he was chosen by Abin Sur because he was the closest noble guy. But there was somebody just nearby, you know, the next guy over was a guy named Guy Gardner uh, who might have been chosen. So the memory machine apparently could be flipped also to alternate future machine. And Guy is, uh, I mean, sorry, Hal is shown what would have happened if Guy Gardner had been given the ring instead of Hal. And it turns out that he would have done a pretty good job, but eventually would have succumbed to a, a space sickness and handed off his ring to Hal Jordan anyway. Uh, after this, Hal Jordan actually meets Guy, goes to meet him sort of out of curiosity. He actually arranges a business tri- trip to East City, which is where Guy Gardner lives, and they get friendly, and then he heads back west. Uh, this scene was played with a bit in the post-Infinite Crisis, post-52 Booster Gold series where Booster was kind of quantum leaping through DC history to making right what once went wrong. Uh, I bet it didn't work, uh, as usually <laughs> happens in such time travel stories. Uh, but this specifically was Booster Gold Volume 2, Number 2, October 2007. Uh, his next appearance is in Green Lantern, Volume 2, Number 87. Uh, that was December 1971. Beware My Power is the title. That was written by Dennis O'Neill and art by Neil Adams. And in fact, it uh, does have the Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Logo yeah, or co-starring that. Green Arrow on the cover. This was no. This was not yet Green Lantern, Green Arrow, but yeah, this is this was. Because this uh, was two issues after uh, Snowbird Don't Fly, right? Yeah, I mean this is pretty much right in their hard traveling heroes phase. So, yeah. uh, this is the origin of John Stewart as Green Lantern. Actually, this issue, but uh, he's appointed while Hal's out of town, and Guy gets hit by a bus, and he lives, but he's out of commission. Even though you'd think the Green Lantern ring could do something about that, but anyway, well, we won't Maybe go. Maybe it was a school bus. That's and it was yellow. <laughs> that's there you go. It's always he was powerless. He was covered in that school bus paint. <laughs> uh, but because he's laid up, um, 
they give the ring to John while Hal's out of town to to be a Green Lantern and cover the uh, Sector 2814. Well, he was actually Black Lantern. Uh, for that, it's true, <laughs> and it's it's actually a pretty great issue because he won't wear the mask yes. and. Uh, John Stewart's one of those characters. He probably will. We'll talk about him another time on this show. Oh, he's or, excellent. Uh, but he is very fleshed out, kind of. I always thought he was a. It's interesting about all these guys. They eventually do get their own distinct personalities. But mm-hmm. uh, at this point, though, I find it interesting. Like, there's no interim stories where Guy picks up the slack for Hal. <laughs> he's just suddenly the surrogate Green Lantern instead of like the alternate future Green Lantern that never happened. But that's okay. We comic we comic booked that one. Uh, and then the next time he shows up is in Green Lantern Volume 2, number 116, in May 1979, eight years later, uh, in a story, My Ring, My Enemy, written by Dennis O'Neill, uh, art by Alex Saviak. And uh, after that, he re- appears more regularly in Green Lantern Corps, although what happens to him, that issue, sort of benches him action-wise for a while, but we'll talk about that real soon. Yeah, he was uh, benched until uh, Steve Englehart came along, and the uh, he handled them right around the time of crisis. So this is uh, you know, right before they changed the title to Green Lantern Corps. So uh, mm-hmm. this is Green Lantern Volume Two, Number One Hundred Eighty-Eight, May Nineteen Eighty-Five, with uh, Joe Staten art, and he's pretty much a boring, milk toast, you know, good guy. He's just a, a dude. He's yeah. a high school uh, gym teacher. With a supportive family structure, uh, he's you know they keep uh, the origin of him being from East City. Um, in pre-crisis, a guy gets blasted into the Phantom Zone for a while, and that's uh, in issue 116. And Hal tries to steal his girlfriend successfully. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know. And uh, he comes but out. But guy does post. talk to him from the uh, Phantom World. From the Phantom and Zone, yes. Busts, busts his balls over it. Yes, and he uh, he comes out comatose. Uh, he obviously didn't. They, they they DC just didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, he just seemed like a like an extra lantern. <laughs> Um, he's revived by the Guardians during the crisis to uh, to lead like a rally, uh, an attack rally on the Anti-Monitor's home planet. And uh, to do so, he actually uh, he recruits criminals, yeah. uh, Green Lantern villains and otherwise. And uh, as he's going to go over there, uh, uh, John Stewart, you know, he kind of he beats his ass for a little bit. Hey, you know, it has to happen. Why not? You got to do that. That was a very interesting cover. You have Hal standing between them, holding them apart. Mm, that's a, a classic. Yeah, during the countdown uh, to 200. Um, after Crisis, they, uh, you know, like everybody else, there was changes. <laughs> Guy's birthplace was changed to the, I think this is a real city and state, uh, Baltimore, Maryland. I believe so. Also known as Charm City, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and he is the son of Raleigh and Peggy Gardner. Uh, he's got his uh, bowl haircut, which is uh, modeled after uh, a... Uh, a superhero that is not yet <laughs> introduced, yeah. but it, it's a sidekick of a superhero actually called Ernie. Um, guys, uh, he grew up reading a comic, or he he grew up uh, looking at a hero called by the name of General Glory. Mm-hmm. He really looked up to him. He had a sidekick named Ernie that had the same terrible taste in hairdos, so he uh, modeled it after that. Yeah. They couldn't even uh, change his hair; just give it an origin and make it make it a, a reason behind it. But all right. <laughs> they, they didn't want anybody no prize in it or something. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this all came to light during a Justice League America story arc called uh, Glory Bound, which I try to do a reread of that every so often, and that is always where I kind of peter out. That's where you hit the wall. I remember That's, this part. It's pretty, it's all right though. You know, a little satire on Captain America and sort of like comics in general, but uh. I remember the art got a little bit looser around it did, then, and yeah. just, it, ugh, it was just 
they, the Giff and DiMatteis run ended with a storyline called Breakdowns, and that was kind of apt. Yeah. Um, now we got we cha- we changed from the uh, supportive family structure. We got a uh, Raleigh Gardner. His dad is an abusive alcoholic uh, who favors a uh, guy's older brother, Mace. That's a hell of a name. I know. Uh, <laughs> Mace Gardner. It's like yikes. He's a Star Wars character. Uh, <laughs> the guy fails to win his father's approval, becomes a juvenile delinquent. But uh, he's turned around by Mace, who is uh, who's grown to become a police officer. Guy uh, goes on to graduate from the University of Michigan with a degree in psychology and education. I mean, look he's how big, different look how different these yeah. origins have become. They're so specific, you know, like yes, we can actually place this. Now. Yeah, not the nebulous East City. Um, he's also a, a football hero, but injur- injuries prevent him from going pro. Uh, he does manage to affect the outcome of the Super Bowl, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> An issue of uh, Green Lantern is volume three, number 37. And uh, the game, the uh, demons appear on the uh, on the football field, and it's the only time that the big game ends in a tie. Yeah, well, that's that's interference of the highest order. This, yes. fa- this fact that he was kept from playing pro ball, too, did it was a common thing especially around this time i remember late 80s early 90s it really came up a lot like it really bothered the hell out of him but yeah it really just fed it, it, it's it's almost like an archetypical type of a thing like these the you know the high school football hero who who you know couldn't go on yeah he uh, peak, so peak too early very frustrated yeah, person had something to prove and uh so you know guy does uh he like we said he graduated with a degree in psychology he becomes a social worker in baltimore and uh works with uh, prison inmates where he meets Hal Jordan, who is a prison inmate. <laughs> this is during uh, Green Lantern Emerald Dawn 2, number 1, April 1991. Hal was in jail for driving drunk. Mm. Uh, this is part of that uh, story arc that Dan DeDio said is sinful. It's a sin wow. that the story ever existed because that's not his Green Lantern. Give me um, a break. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Emerald Dawn 2 is written by uh, Keith Giffen, Gerard Jones with art by M.D. Bright. Um and the whole Emerald Dawn series, or two anyway, shows that what a struggle it is for a guy to maintain his cool. He's he, you can always see that he his fuse is always lit. Yeah. He's control. He's like really, really, you know, he's stomping it out, you know, uh, until the prison riot. <laughs> then he kind of he, he pulls a gun and. Uh, I think I think it's warranted at that time though. You kind of let yeah, let yeah. it go. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not gonna go uh, sit Indian style and go mm, at that point. Uh, now, he quits being a social worker because of his aggressive nature. He goes back to being a high school gym teacher. And none of this applies to the new 52, yep. <laughs> which is way, which is, what, 15 years after this issue. And uh, But, you know, for uh, completionist's sake here, he becomes a red lantern. Then he becomes a Christmas lantern with the two rings. Yep. Now I guess he's back to a green lantern. And there, there was even that Future's End issue where he had all the rings, I believe. He had the blue on. He had every one of them. Oh, he didn't even read that. Oh yeah, he was huge. In, in the new Fifty Two, just real quick, his uh, he's a cop. He had been a cop himself, and he's got a brother and a sister. I think mm-hmm. his parents are dead. I don't remember if they're alcoholics, but uh, it's a hundred percent different. However, that's in the future from where we are now on Guy Gardner, yes. Warrior Number Twenty Nine. So I don't feel like I need to explain it. No, he, I'm not he going didn't grow to. the handlebar mustache. Exactly, and there's so much to unpack already. Believe me, there's a, Guy Gardner has a really weird, complex history. Uh, so right after Crisis on Infinite Earths, he's trained on uh, Guardians Homeworld Maltus by Appa Ali Apsa. The old uh, time. That's right. It, it, the Was that the last? No, there were two Guardians left. Or this was a... Uh, this is the one that was left behind that's when right. the Guardians went to mate with the Zamorans. Right, and, right. Uh, 
when they visited him, he was he was driving a motorcycle on Oa. He, you know, I remember him starting out pretty pretty cool, but uh, yeah. he eventually becomes the Mad he, Guardian. Uh, he was the companion of uh, Hal and Ollie uh, during the Hard Traveling Heroes. Oh right, right, that's right. Yeah. So he had a, he had a pedigree. Um, but anyway, he eventually becomes a, a Mad Lantern and kind of messes things up. Yeah. Um, that's its own storyline. But Guy that's Gardner. Mosaic, yeah. Yeah. It, it was, that was a good one actually, but uh, awesome. yeah. and it had a lot of Guy Gardner in it, so it's worth checking out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, Guy Gardner is appointed the, the Green Lantern of Sector 2814 while Hal goes on a recruitment drive for the Corps. That's his during Legends. He's trying to beef up the Corps again, get him back to their original numbers. Uh, he's a founding member of the Justice League International Bwahaha era. That's the Giffen DiMatteis McGuire, uh, mm-hmm. right? Era? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was. I hate to hate to say it, but the artist sometimes it's tough to remember. But I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Batman punches him in the face, turning him kind for a while in this, which is a classic. Going back to you know Charles and Charge, you know you got Charles and Chaz, and I believe Fonzie didn't Fonzie have a uh, bop me on he the had head, a diff- side, yeah. yeah, different personality, a soft Fonzie. So you know classic stuff. Uh, he returns to a badass when uh, guy when Lobo shows up, and it was a great issue. Frankly, the whole thing was hilarious. It was. Um, it, it was funny reading it now in trade. It almost seems to drag a little, although maybe it's just my familiarity with it. But I, I remember at the time, I couldn't wait for every issue of this comic to come out. I thought it was so funny. Yes, it seemed like they just, it was almost like they did it to backburner him for just a little while. To an extent, you know, well, you know, that's always the problem with these teams are that Big some teams, of these yeah. people have God level powers, so you can't keep, you know what I mean? Like, you always have to do something with Superman in the Justice yeah. League. Otherwise, he's just going to... Why would anyone else be there? It's like, yeah, why no do you point. need him? Yeah. yeah, that's why the Flash has an inferiority complex. <laughs> in uh, Guy Gardner, Reborn, issues number one through three, July through September 1992, written by Gerard Jones and drawn by Joe Staten. Uh, Hal comes back to Earth. He wants his ring back. Guy is still covering for him at this time. Guy challenges him to a fist fight, loses... Quits the core as agreed, but eventually seeks out Sinestro's yellow ring. Uh, He goes to Quard, even. Can't find the corpse. Eventually, he takes the ring off of Sinestro's corpse, Mm -hmm. which is kept on Oa, which is pretty gross. I got to say, that's pretty fucked up, you know, or, uh, you know, not the kindest thing. It is a yellow ring. I guess, yeah, it's true. It's, you know, this is before uh, before there was a uh, emotional spectrum or whatever they're calling it. This oh yeah, is, absolutely, uh, yeah. This was before the Electros. So this wasn't Sinestro Core ring. It was Sinestro was the only one that had a yellow ring. So. Yep, and got, it didn't have a symbol on it. It was nothing, right? Wasn't it a star yeah. or something? No, that, that was no, always was the star sapphire. Yeah. yeah. It was just so, a stone. This is uh, this is old Sinestro stuff. Yeah. So he was getting the only yellow ring, and he got it. So Guy Gardner took the yellow ring and he had his own comic that lasted uh, issues 0 to 44, October 1992 to July 1996. It turned into Guy Gardner Warrior at issue 17. And he becomes the warrior after he goes home to Baltimore and finds out his father has died. And it sort of leaves him bereft of his feelings of vengeance and wanting to uh, beat his... closure, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He didn't get his closure. So the best way to deal with it is to do a costume change. And become what I like to call an engine biker asshole. Uh, then after this, uh, his his ring burns out due to this a whole thing going on with Parallax that you know you might have heard about. Uh, I think we actually <laughs> talked about it on uh, on the Cosmic Treadmill. Um, so uh, what else are you gonna do? But you go on an African safari and he meets these group of people he calls the Monster Hunters that actually will be 
in this issue, and he sips from the Water of the Warriors, which activates his latent Valdurian gene, which allows him to turn his body into weapons. He kind of becomes a metamorph, and he can like turn his arms and pieces of himself into weapons. Uh, it also gives him the power to communicate with any warrior over time, is what I read when I did the research. But yeah. did he ever use that? I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't remember ever seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that brings us right immediately up to today. And it's you know you, you mentioned that th- this this went on forty four issues that's that's a hell of a run that is a real that's a that's a hefty run I mean you know um, I mean just briefly this is a pretty good run it's 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 yeah. worth it's worth checking out if you hate Guy Gardner I guess don't bother uh, yeah. if you like him and you haven't read it it's it's really even though it sounds probably more ridiculous than it needs to the way we were the way I'm describing it <laughs> it's pretty intriguing and it's pretty interesting and you know Guy Gardner acts behaves in a way that you want a guy like that to behave so absolutely uh, if that bothers you avoid it but if it doesn't enjoy it this was such a it was you know people usually credit the uh the you know the big burst of green lantern comics to jeff johns but i mean 10 years before that you know guy had his own series uh john had his own series he did yeah because that was the mosaic and then you have a regular and then you had the quarterly so i mean there was a there was a lot of lantern on the on the shelves oh yeah i mean it was, it was I, I always felt that green lantern was huge it really took off right around crisis but to me right before crisis it seemed to get big but it, it, it loomed large in the picture for a while but then again i've always been a fan so that might be my perception yes <laughs> now guy god in a warrior number 29 as we said earlier, the issue comes with uh, two covers, well, three in a way. Uh, this is, uh, you know, the, this was the chromium age. There's no chromium on this. No. But, uh, it is a product of that age, and uh, the the main, you know, the deluxe cover. It's uh, it's got like a like a slit down the middle. We open it up, kind of like tavern doors, you know, or mm-hmm. saloon doors, and inside you see uh, whose shoulders are we looking over? Superman's. I would say. Uh, well, that, the Superman or the other. Guy. It could be Imposter <laughs> Superman. It's true. Yes. Uh, but uh, you know, very very nice. Uh, and but the the other one though, the regular newsstand edition, as we used to call them back in the day, it's an homage to Edward Hopper's painting Nighthawks from uh, '42, uh, also done by Jimenez. But a uh, gorgeous cover. Yeah, this is the famous shot of like like a uh, cafe window. Yeah, it's like a, ca- a corner window, and a bunch yeah. of people are sitting in this in this cafe, and or I guess it's a bar. Oh, yeah. And they're just sort of sitting around, and it's been redone and, you know, satirized sure. hundreds of times, probably. And if you saw it, you would know what we were talking about, but... Yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I always liked that one better, and I I actually don't have that cover. I, I just have the deluxe one. Oh, yeah, it's probably ha- much harder to get the uh, I, newsstand, I, I would assume, right? It, that seems to be the way it went. When you look for anything from the 90s, the uh, deluxe versions are really easy to find. And those ones that we all threw away and didn't want yeah. are the ones that are hard to come by. Uh, now, inside, it's opening day at Guy Gardner's Lounge for the Powered Set. Uh, it's called Warriors, and everyone is buzzing about it. Even Darkseid, <laughs> who's, uh, whose face takes up the entire first page, where he, he muses about the opening gala to uh, his, uh, I don't know, cocky beast. Uh, who knows? Sock. I don't know. What's, yeah, his, 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 his uh, personal assistant. Yes. Yes, his uh, administrative assistant. Uh, now, uh, 
how, how many DC comics open exactly like this? <laughs> <laughs> this is just a big shot of Darkseid's face. You know, because and, and, I know John Byrne did like a – he had like years where he, <laughs> every first page was a giant face. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure a few of them were Darkseid. Oh, he loved drawing Darkseid. I mean, it's such a Kirby, yes. Kirby face. Absolutely. So it's either this or, you know, he's sitting in an easy chair and relaxing, <laughs> drinking some of Scott Free's uh, scotch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now, this place is packed with uh, some of our favorite heroes. And uh, we, we say we might not name them all, but we're going to try. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <on. laughs> not not during our reading of it, but, yeah, we're going to try <laughs> yeah. to collect them all. But it, it, uh, just, to, just to quickly, you can see uh, Kyle Rayner here. Looks yeah, like there's Darkstar, Darna Troy. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel is that Steel over Steel's to the right? At yeah. The bottom. Yep. So yeah, you see a bunch of people here. Yeah, they're all heading in, and then there's a that's that might be Sparks of the Bloodlines there too, but uh, yeah, this place is <laughs> there's a ton of people here. So it's such a big deal that Cat uh, Grant uh, from the Superman cast is uh, reporting for uh, WGBS <laughs> News. Uh, Rita Muldoon, one of Guy's Monster Hunter friends, helps spiff him up uh, for the evening. He's, he's it's great. Uh, he's wearing this white jacketed tuxedo. It looks ridiculous. Like this <laughs> is so not him. Like what is this? What is he? Hugh Hefner or something? It's like it's like you expect them to to be walking like in a, in like a uh, bullseye, like James Bond is. Yeah, like. yeah, really. But it's uh, really good, really funny, just seeing him uh, all spiffed up. Um, got a few references to his recent jungle adventures where he got those uh, those powers we were talking about, those Voldarian uh, powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Darkseid, who's observing, even mentions the Voldarians at the beginning. Uh, we got some uh, we got some dialogue here. You want to be cat or guy? I'll all be cat, of course. Okay. Would you please tell our audience how you feel about the grand opening of Warriors? Which is the dumbest question. I guy know. says, <laughs> well... It's always been a, it's it's all been a little overwhelming, Miss Grant. All the lights and people. I've always dreamed of having a place like this to come to, but now that it's finally come true, I, uh, well, I'm feeling pretty damn powerful. Hey. So it's like you know, hey, how do you feel about winning the lottery? Yeah, pretty good. I know. Like what do what does you want him to say? <laughs> oh, it's hor- horrible. I just uh, pissed my pants. Yes, it's like, hey, you, you just lost an arm. How do you feel? Eh, not too good. Not too great right now. Verona, leader of the warrior women of Naba, comes running and shoves some people aside to deliver an important fed ox package. And I guess GNU PS couldn't expedite. But <laughs> boom. Uh, inside is a message from Superboy, the Metropolis Kid, a.k.a. Don't Call Me Superboy. Uh, this is... Just real quick, so after Superman died at the hands of Doomsday, which would have happened three years, two years, three years before this, right? November of two, of 1992. Of 92, yeah. so really really almost two years if you really yeah. condense all the issues that it was. After that, um, and a lot of people know this already, but there were four Supermen sort of seemed to try to take his spot. Yeah, there was surrogates came in. Yeah, there was Steel, Cyborg, Superman, another one that ended up being a uh, Kryptonian thing called the Eradicator, and there was... Someone was he ever called the Metropolis Kid in the book? That's no, I, he sort of just got that, that cover name. Copy. No, oh, okay. Because they because they wanted each of the four Supermen to have one of Superman's uh, one of his nicknames. Like you had the Man of Tomorrow, you had the the Last Son of Krypton, you had the, the Man, Man of Steel, Steel, yeah, and then you had the Metropolis Kid for Superboy. Uh, but it just it to me it always stuck. That's what we always call him, and he was sort of a brash younger. Super yeah. uh, younger Superman, supposedly cloned from Superman, that wore an MC jacket with the Superman logo on the back. And, and he was cloned from Superman and somebody else. Mm-hmm. 
Lex Luthor's DNA was That's in there right. too. That's right. That was the that was the big uh, well big one reveal. of the one of the big reveals really. Yeah. Yeah, the Metropolis kid, uh, Superboy, couldn't make the opening of Warriors, but he sent a trademark MC jacket, like I said, with the shield on the back, the uh, big S on it. Now, uh, after that, Red Rocket, a.k.a. Dimitri Puskin, he, he strolls over and gives Guy a big bear hug while wearing his armor, which is, you know, come on. I mean, you could break a guy's back with this thing. Yeah, this is, that ain't going to do good for uh, Guy's ribs. This is, not, this is not a nice <laughs> thing. I guess maybe now that he's got the warrior powers, he's uh, sure. he's kind of a little more pliable. And this is his old pal from the Justice League International. Mm-hmm. Uh, they worked together. I seem to recall they were enemies at first, and they became friends. Well, because Guy was kind of, he was like the, the Reagan. He was like the Patriot, yeah. He yeah. was like, forget these commies. It was commies. It, it was really funny. But, you know, that come to think of it, that's how all of Guy Gardner's friends are. And, and it's a general <laughs> superhero thing. But has there ever been anyone he's ever, like, been friendly with at first? No, you've always got to, like, pound his face in and then he gives you respect. Sure. Um, so they, they end up talking and uh, Dimitri gives, he mentions Guy's dead girlfriend, Ice, who had died uh about a year earlier, right? Uh, a little bit before this. A little bit before, and uh, his dead friend Kilowog, which was, you know, pretty not cool to put a damper on the proceedings. Like, you know, hear about these hey, dead how about, people. How about your dead wife? Yeah, really. It's like, come on, that's not that's not nice. Um, but things are still going pretty well at the party, and we sort of see a wide shot of different conversations that are happening and different people that are milling about. We see the uh, Vertigo-related John Constantine is there. Uh, fate. Not Dr. Fate, but the brief Fate, uh, which I do remember and not liking that. Uh, the Blood Packer here, they're, they're skirting around, which just comes out of Bloodlines. Yep. Um, on reality television show before that was, maybe the real world was out at this point, but it was kind of a play on that. Yeah, trying to, trying to capture that. It's funny, <laughs> now, now it actually probably makes more sense than anything. It's all you see on television. Uh, say, look out, 90210. Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, these guys. These guys are uh, too bad they never went further. And having read the new Bloodlines mini, I really wish they had done more with these characters than they did. Uh, there's also Black Condors there, Green Arrow, the Connor Hawk version. He's hanging out with Black Canary, but even Ollie isn't dead yet though in this <laughs> timeline. And uh, we also see our old Charlton Powell's Judo Master and Peter Cannon dot 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 Thunderbolt. There's Who also looks ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I know both of them. There's also, you also Peacemaker later. He doesn't look uh, quite yeah. correct. Uh, Blue Devil, Alan Scott. We're gonna go on. Well, you know, we we, we we'll really are. We will get there. <laughs> talk about all these guys. So uh, meanwhile, we cut to space. The Legion, and that's the L E G I O N, mm-hmm. is chasing down an unidentified craft through Kandarian space. They are incinerated uh, pretty quickly by these unidentified craft. And they announce to everyone that they will commence their plan of eliminating all Valdarians. I mean, who are they? Who are they telling? You know what I mean? Like, do they need to broadcast this? First of all, space, as we know, is airless and soundless. But do they need to? You know, like, just there, there's got to be onboard communications. But obviously, it's for we know it's, it's for our benefit. It for posterity. Exactly. Yeah. I guess legally they have to they have to give some kind of announcement before they commence Sorry. committing genocide. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we we did what we had to do. We filed our documents. So uh, the Legion members survived. Uh, they was informed Commander Vril Dox of these developments. This is a pretty weird weird time. Mm-hmm. For this team, which I, I don't even know if it has any relevance anymore. Anyway, back at Warriors, we don't care about this <laughs> space stuff. No. People are trying to crash the party, uh, and here he is. It's uh, 
the imposter Superman, which really is <laughs> hilarious. So first you see Superman from behind, yep. and this is when Superman had come back and had the mullet. Yes. So you see a lovely, you know, blue and black mullet the way you expect, and you see, you know, what's obviously a Superman cape. But when they turn around, it's basically it's Ron Jeremy. Basically. Ron Jeremy is wearing Superman's outfit, trying to get in, uh, and Superman says, "No more imposters," kind of putting the kibosh on all this, uh, you know, all these shenanigans. Coming these Supermen, uh, these various Superman things. Although uh, it's really been put to bed quite a few years by now, I think, right? Yeah, I think this was just a. Uh, just a little, uh, a little nudge to the gut. Yeah, it's just something so we remember, you know. But uh, that's all been sorted through. So Lady Blackhawk comes in, who is looking fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's wearing a real short skirt and a very tight leather Blackhawk top, and uh, all the guys are gawking, including three guys that are not obvious who they are to me offhand. Guy on the right, Damage. is that Geoforce on the right? No. Uh, that's either Geoforce or Red Star from the Titans. Wow, uh, they really and, are. I don't know who that other one is with the Ankh earring. It might, that's not fate, because he's got the Ankh over his eye. But the other one is Damage. Yeah, this is uh, they, they are digging deep, boy. You see people <laughs> left and right. I'm seeing a lot of familiar faces in the background here. Uh, then we cut over to Aquaman, who is self-conscious about having lost his hand. And this just had just happened, right? And Peter David's run, I'm assuming. This happened uh, just just, bef- just like a year before this, right? A before year. Yeah. But he's still, this he's, is the first time he would have seen the gang. He's, he's, he's feeling a little messed up about it. He wonders if they're going to treat him like a, you know, he's handicapped. And especially, especially Guy, Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner, exactly, who really is always breaking everyone's balls. So he meets up with uh, Gardner, and they meet, and Aquaman says, Gardner. And the guy says, Artie, just look at you. And Aquaman says, well, go ahead and say it. And uh, Guy Gardner comments on the fact that Aquaman grew his hair long, just like yep. Superman. He says, what's the what's the deal with all this long hair stuff? And it's like, he, what a guy. He doesn't even, you know, make him feel weird about not having a hand anymore. So that's, uh, Guy Gardner is feeling gregarious, and he's a, a gracious host. He's doing a great job. Uh, Lady Blackhawk bumps into Guy Gardner and confesses she doesn't even know how she got there. <laughs> she last last she knew she was in World War Two, you know, she was doing her thing back in the day. Uh, I think this is a zero hour uh, bump I or something. I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, there, yeah, there's a couple of weird, uh, you know, anomalies anomalies in this party. Yeah. So there's obviously it's a, it's a nexus of something strange. Um, Wildcat bumps into Lady Blackhawk. They're obviously very happy to see each other because they're both World War Two era old farts. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Guy, he invites uh, Lady Blackhawk to stay at Warriors, which has more rooms than Guy can count uh, while she's, you know, in the present. (laughs) present. (laughs) I wonder why. Um, Meanwhile, at Blackgate Prison, which has uh, the folks from Arkham, because Arkham was destroyed by Bane at the beginning of uh, Nightfall, uh, which... I, I don't remember it, like, actually, yeah, I don't remember the walls coming down. No. I, I remember, <laughs> but, uh, like, a couple of explosions, but I guess that's enough to bust up the integrity. <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't look back at it, but I, 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 I mean, I guess, you know, Arkham has been destroyed so many times now that yeah. you expect it to turn into dust. Absolutely. Uh, I seem to remember it was just sort of, you know, not, it needed, it needed some spackle. But anyway, it, it was enough yeah. to close it down for the interim. <laughs> And uh, various supervillains are watching the opening on television. Like we said, this is a big deal. And it's got to really rub some salt on these poor guys. Uh, suddenly, they're beset by an evil monster that uh, eats evil. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> and and, and I, we were looking to see who this fellow was. And 
the closest we can come up with was it is an old Green Lantern enemy called uh, Goldface. I think it is um, Goldface because he did he did play into a little bit of Guy Gardner down the line from what I read. Maybe hmm. maybe I imagine, but yeah, it seems like the the most likely character to do this kind of weird mind game, yeah. psych, kind of a psycho pirate type thing, That's which is what I yeah. thought it was. Yeah. Now back at Warriors, the party is in full swing. Uh, Superman, Superman, Wildcat. Buck, Wago, and Platinum from the Metal Men, and maybe Maxima, they're, uh, they're playing poker and uh, throwing, the, <laughs> throwing the chips all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the middle of the festivities, uh, Brainiac 5 from the 31st century pops in. It's funny. He just shows up and said, somebody just hands him a beer. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, Party, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And uh, he hangs around for a little while and then just disappears. Which you know, it's it's, it's funny. <laughs> I, I bet there was a crossover with uh, Legion at the time, though. There was probably something happened. I don't know, maybe I, not. That would have been cool I, if it did. Because I think the Dark Stars were kind of like a bridge between the two, unless I'm misremembering that, which is possible. Yeah. Um, now Kyle Rayner he references a fight with Hal Jordan or Parallax during Zero Hour. Uh, Kyle he says, uh, "Now I'm officially the last," and this is this is funny because it's with he's talking to Aresia, who was a Hal Jordan's teenage girlfriend. For yep. Kind of, she was his, uh, you know, student, and then became his girlfriend. And but they had to change it so, like, in her alien race, that the teenage form was actually like 23 years old. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they got, yeah, that that won't keep Hal out of jail, but uh, <laughs> at this point, he's got bigger fish to fry. Uh, so Kyle, he's like, hey, I'm officially the last, you know, Green Lantern, because he was at the time. And Arise is like, oh right, <laughs> what happened to Hal? Uh, he and I were very close, and he goes, I, I, I think I killed him. I'm sorry. And she goes, don't be. That man wasn't my house. She's just so uh, casual about that. I know. It's all right. That's cool, bro. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm the last of the army that you were part of. Oh, all right. Oh, cool. nice to meet you. She never was. She was none too bright, let's face it. You know, we're not yeah. talking about a uh, someone that's on the ball. Yeah, and I, it's, I, I, remember, I remember her having pointy ears, but it's like... The panels are laid out in a way where you don't see the tips of her ears. I, actually, on the next page, you can you can see them in a uh, longer panel. Yeah, she's got yeah, them. But it's, it's funny. Cool. They are hidden. It's weird. Yeah, it's like almost like on purpose. Yeah. Um, Captain Adam shows up. Uh, Verona tries to bounce him, but he's vouched for because he is a superhero. Uh, another superhero with something of a mullet. Uh, which is so weird because he's a military guy. Yeah, you think? I mean, I know in his original form, his hair was right was uh, high and tight. Yeah. Uh, but I do think he had a mullet earlier than Superman or uh, Aquaman. I think Maybe. I believe so. I don't know. I, I really have to go look, but I think he had a mullet right after Crisis. Who knows? Hmm. Now, uh, Guy Gardner, now in his warrior getup, so like the his new different form, uh, he turns his hand into a spiked mace and punches Captain Adam through the roof. Luckily, we don't get to see the uh, transformation, which is kind of disgusting. <laughs> It's like his neck opens up and like covers his head. It's really gross. Yeah. Uh, but maybe that's just when he goes like super Voldarian or whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, Captain Adam, he was present and uh, accounted for when Ice, who was Guy Gardner's squeeze during his JLI days, uh, he was there when she died. Um, and that was in an issue of Justice League Task Force, which we mentioned just to say that there was a title called Justice, Justice League Task Force. <laughs> Uh, though by now, uh, Captain Adam was leading a different team that was in a title called Extreme Justice, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, we didn't want to mention, but we were here anyway. Yeah. 
uh, Guy feels that Adam should have told him instead of having to hear it from Red Rocket or Rocket Red because he, uh, he he wasn't aware of all the goings down. Um, but uh, he, he seemed kind of cool with it when when Rocket told him. Yeah. He's just like, oh, all right. Well, maybe he was. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was uh, you know chit chit chatting with people a pile or two later, so it, yeah. it didn't break him up too badly that moment. Maybe he just hadn't processed it yet. Maybe he hadn't had enough beers yet. You know what I mean? We know what this guy's about. He does, in one of his incarnations, he did have that psychology degree, so maybe he was uh, processing. Possibly. Uh, <laughs> the party starts turning dark because uh, Donna Troy, who is a member of the Dark Stars, she's arguing with Artemis, who was uh, standing in for Wonder Woman at this point in yep. time. And uh, she was arguing with her because she didn't think that she was wearing Wonder Woman's gear. Uh, but before they could fight, you know, Lobo shows up. But, of course. Uh, a little bit about the dog stars. They just—they were just like, uh, they were like the recycling bin for, <laughs> for people they didn't know what to do with. It's like Donna Troy was there, John Stewart was there. It was all—it was all the crisis leftovers, from what I can tell. Like, like you say, Legion so was connected through them because they had to create a pocket universe because people didn't want to give up these characters that had become yeah. retconned out. So, uh, yeah, it's. Lobo. Lobo's here, folks, and this is now we are in a 1990s comic book. Main man. Lobo says, ooh-wee, look at Gardner, all big and tough in his Valdarian birthday suit. Gonna teach the, ba- the bad Lobo some manners, eh? Nope, that's a lost cause, mime face. I'm gonna put your teeth on a work release program. And now it's a full-on bar brawl. Superman tries to stop it. No one listens to him. He's like the uh, he's like the camp counselor trying to stop a food fight yeah. in an eighties movie. Or something. Hey, you guys, this is ridiculous. Stop it! You know, it's like yeah, no one no one's paying. <laughs> we got superheroes. Straight and that's up. a quote. Yeah, that's literally a quote from that panel. And it's actually well done. I like that. It's like he's sort of like got his hands out as if he's holding back yep. uh, other holding panels, panels of fighting, yep. but it's not working. <laughs> People are too far gone. I see Mr. Miracle. I see Barda. I see. Uh, is this this is where I see? Yeah, I see that. I see. Uh, Loose Cannon from the Bloodlines is in there. Zatanna. Loose Cannon is there, too. Wow, a lot of people. <laughs> so, yeah, people people are getting wild over here. And uh, Lobo says, I heard Parallax beat you good. Took your ring and sent you home in your undies. Then Guy responds with, and if you can't get any more 90s on this, <laughs> that's it. Prepare to be bobbited. So, for people that don't know, this refers to Lorena Bobbitt, who was convicted of cutting off her husband John's penis in 1993. So uh, I was, uh, what was Guy saying here? I guess that he was going to cut off Lobo's, Lobo's penis <laughs> and leave it on the side of a road somewhere. But Check it out the car window. That thanks to thanks to modern science, Lobo could have his penis reattached and appear in a porn, in a porn movie. So uh, all is not lost if you get bobbited, folks. <laughs> Don't be too worried. But if you want to know more about that, look it up. It was a thing at the time, believe me. Yes. Uh, Lobo's thrown through a mirror, and this is observed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, and Bruce Willis, who all do own uh, Planet Hollywood. Yep. Is that still around, Planet Hollywood? I don't even know. I don't even know. That was that was a big thing for a minute. It was a the yeah. uh, you know trying to compete with the Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, I yeah, bet you had can... your denim jackets with the logos on the. Oh yeah, or you can yeah. or you can get the uh, Letterman type jackets with the leather sleeves if you were yes. you know really willing to spend some money on someone else's corporate logo. <laughs> Uh, these guys were all big action stars of the day. It's funny. And so they see Lobo go by, and they're like, should we do something? Nah, you know, we're only actors. Uh, they put their sunglasses on, and I swear, Bruce Willis turns into Nicolas Cage. It just looks he very he looks very strange. <laughs> <laughs> when I first looked at it, I was like, is that Nicolas Cage? I was like, no, 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 we know who that is. Um, 
Lobo's finally knocked out, place looks like a wreck, and someone mentions that the secret society of supervillains reformed and caused some of the damage. We don't even see that happen. Nope. That just happened <laughs> elsewhere during this party, and it was crazy. Uh, after that, Guy Gardner is in his room, a Verona busted open to find him screaming for them to go away. To be continued in Action Comics number 709. Mm-hmm. And that concludes this super fun issue of Guy oh, Gardner yeah. Warrior. This is like a this is like a uh, petri dish of 1990 mid 90s DC. Yeah, it was uh, wonderfully fun. Uh, but uh, you know we have a uh, we mentioned cameos earlier. Oh yeah, there were a <laughs> lot of people. Uh, but I I do want to just say one thing real quick. You know, mm-hmm. the, one thing about this with all these cameos we're going to mention is it really is all of the the current state of all these heroes. Yeah. And it was a thing that you did back in the days of comics, which is to play the ball where it lies. You know, yeah. if you want to have Superman in, in your comic, well, he's got to have the mullet. That's just that's just life, you know, whether you yeah. want him to or not. So this is something you see less of, I feel like, in, in comics. Contemporary. That, yeah, yeah. Pe- people write the character they want to write, and uh, it's too bad because it, it ruins the interconnectivity and the continuity of these universes. Anyway, yes. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> Yeah, because this is placed at a very. I mean, you could place this between two issues of oh, yeah. any other book, and this it and it fits. Yeah. And it flows, and everyone who was there had reason to be there and reason to leave, and all that stuff. It it fits in perfectly. It's we don't you know, and it's weird to say because these days it seems. I mean, how many how many Avengers titles are there at Marvel right now? Everybody's an Avenger. So I, yeah. the novelty of this kind of a book is kind of gone. Hey, you see it. You see it every month. Yeah, where so what's now the big deal? Like, like when you open this up and you see like El Diablo, yeah, you know, t- you know, uh, doing a doing a toast with uh, with Aquaman. It's like, wow, I wonder if these guys have ever met, or if they have, they don't see each other often. Yeah, but it's just it's just neat to see them all on uh, on panel together uh, in a time when that wasn't just you know Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> now onto those uh, cameos, and we uh, we tried compiling a list on our own. And uh, there's it's there's too many. Yeah, <laughs> there's it's... just so many people here. So uh, we consulted a few of the different uh, always reliable DC Comics wikis mm-hmm. uh, because you know we, some of these people neither of us even recognized. And uh, because I mean, this was also the 90s where costumes were a little bit more extreme. For sure, yeah. Uh, and uh, eh, we don't. And there were things like you know I know the blood pack, but I, I don't know if I could pick them out of a lineup on your average no. on your average day, you know. So it's uh, yeah, if, if one of them delivered a pizza to my house, I wouldn't recommend. Exactly. It. So <laughs> so we, I did, I do want to say we used the DC Comics wiki for uh, uh, some assistance here, but we reordered it, and I think there are 120 names. Amazing. So buckle up, folks. Here we go. We're going to start with Ace Morgan from the Challenge of the uh, Challenges of the Unknown, who hadn't been seen for a little while. Our old favorite ambush bug, uh, Amon Hack from the Legion. Angel and the Ape were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anima, who was part of the uh, Bloodlines. Aquaman, Arion, Aresia, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> and Arsenal. Yeah, that's right. Roy Harper was there. Yep. It's also Artemis, Adam, Ballistic from the Blood Pack, Bane. Batmite from the Hero Hotline version, not Batmite from the Fifth Dimension, yeah. Bat- Batman's friend. To, yeah. <laughs> exactly, although this one was you know, almost as strange, just in a different way. Uh, beautiful Dreamer from the Forever People that had probably seen for 20 years at that point. Uh, <laughs> Big Bear also from the Forever People. Black Canary, Black Condor, Black Thorn. 
We're going to change colors to Blue Devil. <laughs> uh, Brainiac 5, Bruce Willis. Buck Wargall. Captain Adam, Captain Marvel. Cat Grant. Cave Carson, who I hear has a cybernetic eye. Oh, uh, yeah. Congo Bill. And Damage. There was Dane Dorrance from the Sea Devils. Dark Side, Dark Star. I didn't even know that was in continuity. No, I didn't I didn't know that either, nor, the, nor would I have been able to know who Dane Dorrance is. Nor do I know who Dane Dorrance is in that comic now, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, just, I thought that was like one of those like slash maraud type things that just happened to be published by DC but wasn't part of it. I mean, in a way, I guess this, they're saying it's all in there, baby. And I guess yeah. since, there's, since there's like temporal and dimensional rifts happening, they can explain anything away. Everything's um, uh, Davroth Kato from the Legion, Dementor, Desaad, Detective Chimp, who actually has an interaction with uh, the ape of Angel and his yes. ape, uh, Dolphin, El Diablo, Fastback, uh, Fate, Flamebird, The Flash, uh, this is the uh, Golden Age Flash, yep. uh, Geist from the Blood Pack, General Glory, uh, guys, uh, we, didn't, we didn't even get to see them really uh, talking or, or having any kind of uh, an exchange. No. Uh, Geoforce from the Outsiders. Goldface, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Gunfire, another uh, Bloodlines guy. Then you got Hawkman, Hotshot from Hero Hotline, Impulse, uh, who was in the Flash at the time, Mark Wade character, Jade mm-hmm. from Bloodback, Joey Hong, John Constantine, Judo Master, Judy Walton of the Sea Devils, Katana, and Lady Blackhawk. We have uh, Lead from the Metal Men, Light Ray, Lobo, Lois Lane, Loose Cannon, Loria from the Bloodpack, the Mad Hatter. Mark Moonrider from the Forever People, Ma- Maya, Maya, Maya from the Forever sure. People, and uh, Mercury of the Metal Men. Yeah, microwave a bell from Hero Hotline. Yeah, microwave mom. The, I mean, that was <laughs> uh, that was such a great series. Uh, yes. I really would love to get a collection of that. Mirage, Mr. Miracle, Mongrel of the Blood Pack, Nikki Walton of the Sea Devils, Nightblade of the Blood Pack, Nightshade, Nuclon, Oberon, Obsidian. Orion, Panther, who was on the Teen Titans, uh, Phantom Lady, the Pied Piper, Plastic Man, Platinum of the Metal Men, Poison Ivy, Private Eyes from Hero Hotline, The Question, and Razor Sharp from the Blood Pack. Yeah, Platinum is the one winning all the money at that poker yes, game. tossing the chips around. Tossing the, the chips around. Red Ryan, also from the Challenges of the, of the Unknown, Rex the Wonder Dog, Riddler, Rita Muldoon, Robot Man, Rocket Red, Rocky Davis of Challenges of the Unknown, Scarecrow, Sentinel, Seraphan of the Forever People, Sparks of the Blood Pack, Stanley's Monster, Steel, Stretch from the Hero Hotline, Superboy, Supergirl, Superman, Swamp Thing, who I couldn't find, um, Sylvester Stallone, and Technocrat. There's also Terra, Thunderbolt, Tiger Man, Two Face, Ventriloquist, Viridium of the Metal Men, which I do, do not know about this character, I must say. Yeah. Uh, Verana, Viking of the Forever People, Wildcat, and Zatanna. And that is the entire cast of this book. Um, but as you point out, you didn't find Swamp Thing, so it's worth double-checking some of these. Absolutely. Um, if you have a lot of time on your hands and this issue, and you want to double-check and tell us which <laughs> ones are not in there or which ones were missed by this list, please make sure to write to the podcast at weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com. And you can find our writings, and of course, you know, you should be checking out our reviews and uh, other articles on weirdsciencedccomics.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Reggie Reggie. I'm at Ace Comics. And I tell you every week to read uh, Chris's personal blog. Chris is on infiniteearths.blogspot.com. He did actually review this very issue, Guy Gardner Warrior number 29, and did a great 
uh, great job of it. I have to say, having read that helped me to sort of keep it <laughs> in the forefront of my mind, like, you know, without having to go into it so cold. Um, so it, you know, definitely go check it out. New content every single day. Very good, very funny, and worth Thank checking out. So I think there's anything else for him now, Chris? I think uh, I think it's last call. That's right. Well, from all of us at Warriors, I'd like to tell you to keep it on the treadmill drunkenly. Drunkenly.